Big tobacco cigarette butts filter practically nothing and are made of microplastics that are toxic and cunning. More than 15,000 fibers lurk in every cigarette butt you see. Could they harm your families? Quite possibly. They could end up inside of you, your bodies, their prey. New studies even indicate possible links to mutations in DNA. An evil lie with the future's worth of harm. To the world, now you know. So sound the alarm. Learn more at undo.org. Hi listeners, all four of you, or two million. Because I know how much you want more shortcomings content, head over to thedip.com and you can find your very own Sex in the City community, where we are breaking it down even further. And I'm taking my even more unhinged nonsense about the topics we cover each episode over there. Think of The Dip as like a new female-founded Reddit. Frankly, I'm not even sure what Reddit is or what happens there, but I know it's a bunch of male nonsense and probably where people get radicalized to do bad things and January 6th happens. You can find people who you actually like, share your opinions about all things Sex and the City and all the pop culture you're interested in. You can expand on ideas about what you want to hear us rant about on the podcast, but mostly you can chat directly with myself and Sam. The link in the description will tell you how to find the Sex and the City community on the dip. And for this episode, I'll be going deeper into some of my favorite needle drops in all of Sex and the City. I'll talk to you all at the dip. Bye! Welcome to Shortcomings, a Sex and the City podcast where we shoot the shit about every episode of Sex and the City, the two movies, of course, the revival. And I am your host, Samantha Bush. And of course, I'm joined by my other host. See, I don't even want to call you a co-host. I feel like you really run this ship. But uh, Chris Lewis. Hi, but Chris. you are doing the introduction. So here we are. I am. Hello. I kind of wish I wasn't sometimes, but you really, you know how to end it out. We divided that up. I don't know if that's true. Half the time I'm like, whoa. No, you do. No, we divided it at the beginning and there we'll stand. How are you? I am doing good. Like I just said to you before I sat down or as I was sitting down, I took a couple of Excedrin. I'm, you know, still reeling from last week. I'm rolling on a lot of caffeine and a glass of wine. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Yes. I, okay, I've just discovered oat milk. What do you mean you just discovered it? You you are a regular Christopher Columbus. It's been there. I know. I just discovered it, and I like putting it in my coffee. It's been very delicious. Yeah. I mean, I'm basically a little lactose intolerant, so I'm an oat milk. Everybody is. Humans aren't supposed to consume cheese and stuff. Look, milk is the only thing I was willing to get rid of in terms of my stomach hurting, so cheese is- Oh, I'm never giving up cheese. No, but- I'm if an someone ever held a gun king, to my head king. and said, you can never eat cream cheese again, I would spit on them and then tell them, tell them I love my mom. <laughs> Wait, what? I said if someone was going to hold a gun to my head. You'd spit on them and then tell them you love your mom? Loved my mom because then they would shoot me. Oh, I was like, I don't see where your life because is I in danger here. I wouldn't, Because <laughs> I wouldn't give up. Cream cheese. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, because they've I got a gun to your head. I'm sorry. The caffeine yeah. and the wine were really, I'm really. Yeah, well, like, are you okay? I'm on I a like real cocktail today. Yeah, you really are. You're on quite a mix. Yeah, get excited, guys. I don't know what's happening, and it's going to be a wild ride. So, uh, before we get into a little, little something I pulled, can I give a suggestion? Because I've been really obsessed yeah. in watching something. 
and it's not the lost daughter. Okay, taking a little break. Although not really, because I watched it this weekend. I have been rethinking and rewatching at least three movies by the director Mike Mills, and I just want to tell everyone to go look them up. They're the most humanist, beautiful stories. Of course, I love 20th Century Woman. It's one of my favorite movies. Annette Benning is amazing in it. He had a wonderful movie last year, Come On, Come On, starring Gabby Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. And then Beginners, which won, I know, your favorite man, Christopher Plummer, his Oscar eventually. And Ewan McGregor is amazing in it. So I just want everyone to go and look up his work. He's an amazing, amazing director. And I feel like he doesn't get his due. And so I guess I'm giving him his due on this podcast, which is not much. Yeah. I mean, anything that's not The Lost Daughter that comes from your mouth, like, Okay, I've been into a few more things recently. Mostly, you know, Google imaging Michael Keaton since he won his SAG Award. It's very specific. (laughs) You know... My king is doing well. He's doing a great job. I mean, I told you today I went on a date with a guy recently, and he did ask me my, you know, celebrity crushes, and I forgot not to tell the truth. And so I did, and he looked shocked. He thought it was a bit to hear hear Daniel Day-Lewis and Michael Keaton sandwiching Michael B. Jordan. It's something. I remember the first time I heard it. I was like, People don't know what to do with themselves. What were his? Did you guys get to that or did you kind of take over that? Honestly, I don't even remember. I was barely listening. I was drunk out of my mind. <laughs> and then, of course, Are I said it's something about again? Andrew Garfield's supple mouth. Not my best work. Are you going to see this man again? No. God, no. From my own You know what's um, so funny? Personal dignity. I really, I really enjoy, because like we always talk sometimes about like the bad dates we go on, but sometimes it's fun to be someone's bad date. Like, he might tell that story to his friend and be like, oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, in some ways, I feel I've been more people's bad dates than they've been mine. And I'm certainly mm-hmm. a few people's Mr. Big. Oh. Just in terms of, like, like, that guy never called me back. He's emotionally distant. I couldn't get him to text oh. me. Oh, wow. Who would I describe myself as? Well, we and, know and, that. If, if I was a boyfriend, I would be like a Steve... Just always around. I would honestly be Dr. Bradley Miko. I'd be like, I have reservations at this dinner. I don't. <laughs> do you want to come? I don't even see you knowing how to make a reservation. Is that rude? No, I do. I make reservations constantly. Oh, I love a reservation. Because I love to be on time places. And I love to like know I'm going to get sat. Well, that's nice. I love a place mm-hmm. that doesn't take reservations because it usually means it's really good. But it is frustrating. But I'm, you know, I'm happy to get there like Two hours early with a book. After COVID, after COVID, like everything is reservations here. Everything. Not here. We're still got a last few oh, holdouts, yeah. but I like it because it builds some kind of sense of community. But again, people don't come here to listen to us talk about reservations. They sure don't. Let's Unless they do. The I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people come here this for anymore. This is now a I'm- <laughs> reservations in Detroit and Baltimore podcast. Yeah. It's called Not No Reservations. Like Wasn't that a movie with uh, your beloved that Catherine was... Zeta-Jones and Bradley Cooper? Yes. I think I saw it in theater. <laughs> I think I did too. But before we get into the episode, guys, we've reached an episode that, you know, this podcast has so a legacy and conversations behind it. And one of our earliest conversations about Sex in the City was where Sam and I stand on a little man named Dr. Bradley Migo. 
and we'll get into it, but I figured, you know, in the pantheon of boyfriends, I think Dr. Matt Bradley Migo looms large in terms of just the cultural conversation around Sex and the City. You hear his name brought up for someone who only appears on one episode. Would you agree? Can I tell you? Yes, but a little backstory. The, honestly, I believe us talking about Dr. Bradley Migo is what kickstarted this podcast. Who fucking knows what kickstarted this podcast? I thought we were talking about The Crown. I really think we were talking about it. And then all of a sudden we were like, why don't we take this to the streets? No, actually, I think what kickstarted it is, is I told you I was watching The Affair. And that was like our entryway of talking about Sex and the City. And then we realized we've got so many opinions. I, you so know, many. I watch that arc once a year. I and guess. And then I dragged Dr. Bradley Mego on Instagram. <sighs> Fuck you. We'll talk about it. But. <laughs> okay. Before we get into it, I just wanted to go through the top 10 boyfriends that Elle listed and just hear your thoughts. Yeah. So number 10, they did a full ranking, but this is number 10. Out of 49. 49. Sean from season three, episode four. Now, do you remember who Sean is? Season three, episode four, Sean. No, you're not a friends girl. I was going to give you a clue. I'm not a friends girl. Oh, he is. The bisexual, yes. the bisexual. Yeah, he was super cute. He played tag on Friends. He dated Rachel. What did you think of him? Yeah. Do you think he deserves to be number 10? No. <laughs> exactly. But I also looked at when this I... list, and there were... Our King Kevin was kind of far down. And disgusting. So we'll definitely get to, you know, Tom. Wait, what's his name? Kevin? Sean. King Kevin? Oh. I was like, what's his name? I was like, King Kevin? No, we yeah. love King Kevin. But Tom, I don't think deserves... No, sh- fuck me. Sean. His name is Sean. Sean does not deserve yes. to be number 10. That's way too high for him. Although I guess he did introduce Carrie to Alanis Morissette. And that's not <laughs> nothing. I, I really think he's only up there because he was like a nice boy and Carrie left him. Like he didn't leave Carrie or do really anything bad. And I think people have an increased sense of liking him because of how shitty the discourse around bisexuality is in the episode. So it's like, well, he's so great because they were so awful. It's like, guys, he still sucked. Yeah. Still cute though. Oh, gorge. That hair. Oh, boy. Now, number nine is a man you and I both hate. And we've already discussed him. The overeater who overate her, Tom, from season five. What do you think of Tommy? I, you know what I think of him. You know I find him sick. Sick. But again, if I saw that actor in the real world, I'm sure I would probably be so lovely and tell him how wonderful I thought his work was. So I don't want anyone. I honestly don't think I would do that. Wow. I hope he comes on the podcast. I don't think he was a nice guy. The actor? He is who he is. What else has he been in? Nothing. Um, I'm sure I'm sure a few episodes of Law and Order. He's sick. I don't care. Tom's gross. All right. Number eight is Alexander Petrotsky. Too low. Oh. Should be too number two fucking. or three. Maybe one. Maybe one. I mean, maybe one. Hottest man on the show. Guys, as we know from my taste earlier, it's off the beaten path. <laughs> this, this tracks. <laughs> but he's so fucking hot. And he's so, like, charismatic and sexy. Guys. This was also one of our first episode, conversations of the anti-tasted, the like, anti-tasted like black cherries moment. The sexiest moment in the show. 
so sexy. Like, he's so sexy. No, sitting right above one Alexander Petrotsky is Mr. Big. Only coming in at seven. Mm. And we'll get into it, but I... I know I held this man down for the first half of season one. He's sure did. it's tough what's happening now. I'm like getting really something's going on with me and Big. Oh. Now this is a shock at number six, Richard Wright. Shocked. How did he get so high up? I mean, I think people just think he's hot. I mean I don't I don't know why he's a I don't know why ahead of Petrotsky he's top and 10. Big. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Honestly, I like the bisexual more than him. A hundred percent. Even though I do think Richard Wright and Sam have, like, really great chemistry. Like, I liked watching them together. He was horrible to her. No, I don't know. I'm a little older than you and also, like, a dumb man. So maybe you won't have this reference at all. But he was in the Mortal Kombat movies. And I can only see him in, like, a long blonde wig. You watched Mortal Kombat? When I was like five when they came out, yeah. Oh my. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I'm sure Brian, our producer, he's got that reference. There's got to be at least two of our female listeners and one errant gay man who also shares that reference. He also was in The Miracle on 34th Street, the 1994 version. I was going to say, I'm going to need you to add an addendum. I don't think he was in the original I not the original. I don't fuck with the original one. No, I love the original. He was also on Grey's Anatomy as Alex Karev's dad. Wow, what a handsome family. Honestly, they could run a train on me. Should we move on to oh. number five? Yes, please. Number five is Smith Jared. That seems fitting. You know, I'm not a Smith Jared fan, and I have had someone, and I swear to God, if you're still following me, don't come for me again. Because apparently earlier in this podcast, I basically said Smith Jared's a piece of shit, and people were triggered. Yeah, I was one of those people. I just think I he's will a never fantasy. That. There's nothing interesting about him. I'm sorry. When he shaved his head. that's But that's what oh. I mean, is, is that he's basically, they had to create a cookie cutter perfect person so that Samantha had no choice but to love him. And I'm not yeah, really so. interested in that as a character. Also, he's blonde okay. and I don't really like blonde men. I'm not into blondes either. So it doesn't, he doesn't even have like the raw sexual appeal to me that I think he holds for other mm. people. And he's just not a character really. He's more of an ideal. Okay. I'll let you have the strong opinion. Well, it seems like it's going to be tough going for me for the top five because the next is Steve, and we know how I feel about him, and I'm not saying anything else. Sam, would you like to take that one? Do it. I, no, Do it. I'm not saying Say the one thing. I'm not saying nothing Say about Steve. Oh, I'll, Miranda. Miranda. Meet me on the bridge. <laughs> What's going on at this um, food? You market? know I love Steve. Steve, you know I love. I think he's a supportive guy. I think he's so sweet and patient with her. And, you know, yeah, is he a child and eats cereal and watches cartoons? Sure. But I also watch Real Housewives. Remember when he was bouncing that basketball on her hardwood floors? (laughs) Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. But you also remember when she didn't support his dream of of making the the goal? His dream. (laughs) Okay, that's like if that's he was an astro. Actually, I think she might say something like that in the episode. Also, it's not a goal. It's a basket. I need to correct myself. It's not a goal. I was not going to correct you there at all. I was like, uh-huh, he didn't make the goal. Yeah, I know. Number three is someone we both disagree and dislike is Aiden Shaw. I know I would definitely put Kevin, our mental health king, above Aiden. Put a lot of guys uh, we've seen above Aiden. Aiden, 
I don't know what it is that why women love Aiden. It's a I big what's the guy's name from Summer House who the guy called me racist over? Austin? I think Aiden has big Austin Kroll energy. He's just tall. And in fact, there's the episode with the guy from um oh my god, I'm completely blanking. Um from and they were like at the beach. What was that show called with Jennifer Coolidge? What? White Lotus. The oh. man from White Lotus, Mary Bartlett. He plays a gay man on Sex and the City, and he takes Carrie out for drinks, and he asks, yes. oh, what's Aiden like? And her only response is, or no, I shouldn't say her only, her first response is, he's tall. And to me, that is the clearest declaration of why people like Aiden Shaw. He's tall. He's tall, and I think he seems very, in people's minds, I think he seems amazing. But I think if you were really presented with someone like Aiden in real life, I, I don't think people would fall for it like they do. Also, her name show. would be Carrie Bradshaw Shaw. <laughs> yes. I never understood that. I never understood why they made his last name Shaw. It doesn't Did, make were they any lazy? sense. They were like, Aiden Shaw, 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 Shaw. Well, number two, I think we can all agree is a great guy. Dr. Robert Leeds. Honestly? King. Honestly, get him. What if, and just like that, LTW had been married to Robert Leeds? I would be very into that. Or like Seema. And then they had like come together in episode. Now talk about bubbling tension. Then episode nine, they all come together at that like um, house that Dr. Nia Wallace was building and Miranda mm-hmm. is confronted with Dr. Robert Leeds, that's good storytelling. As you grit your teeth, that's good storytelling. The fuck have we been watching? God, and then I loved the powerful moment where he opened that door and the women were behind him in lingerie and he was in that sexy robe. I didn't I love like, that, actually. I did. I was like, ooh. And what I disliked even <laughs> more is when boy. he was in his tracksuit doing like his gyrating motions in the stairwell. They didn't have to but play anyways, my man like that to make him unlikable, but absolutely right. He's, he's a, king. a king. King. No, Sexy of course, too. number one is a man we can all agree oh. with, Harry Goldenblatt. Harry motherfucking Goldenblatt. He is literally, uh, like, the perfect guy on the show. Because they like, give he him never enough, does anything wrong. And they give him enough dimension and character Yes. In, Unlike Smith. Yes. And the fact that he leaves Charlotte. Like, I think if they didn't have the moment where he decides to leave her and then she has yeah. to work to kind of earn him back, although not really. Yeah. He would be too perfect. And his Jewishness helps in the sense that he gives that gives an inherent obstacle to her that he's not willing to bend on. He's not as cookie cutter perfect as Smith. And he's also like funny. Like Evan Handler, the actor is hilarious. So funny. And his love of Charlotte is just really sweet. And like like you said, the way that he's not perfect, but he is. He leaves his tea bags is, around. He's yeah, got he leaves his little his butt tea out. Bag. That's me. I leave my tea bags everywhere. That is so foul. <laughs> I do leave them everywhere. I just don't even understand why you would take a tea bag out of a mug and just like slap it much. down. I get that I do you that don't want to overly day. steep your tea, but put it, throw it away. I, every day I have a tea bag in the sink in my bathroom. Okay, the every sink is it single in the day. bathroom? Yeah, I drink my tea while I get ready in the bathroom. Oh, that's true. I have seen you doing that on your unhinged Instagram. Yeah, lives. I'm like, you've literally watched me do this. Remember that one time we FaceTimed and I was brushing my teeth? 
Yes, and then you were furious. I was just like, "Can you like you? You can't even speak. You, you look like I, know, you I was had, like, sorry. You, just, you look like um, you had rabies, just foaming at the mouth. Yeah, looking at a bunch of flyaways great. and just foam around the mouth. It was quite <laughs> tough to see. Look at my flyaways today; they're pretty bad. You know, it's okay. Well, should we get into the episode? Yes. All right, let's start with a little episode synopsis. Carrie explores what's good on paper before her big return. Charlotte flirts with her youth. Samantha is in a battle of wills with her younger assistant. And basically, Miranda's cynical. What did you think of this episode overall? It's honestly one of my favorite episodes. Gave me giggles. If you had asked me before I watched it, I would have told you this is basically a perfect episode of Sex and the City because of my memory of it. And it's still and a great it. episode. But I was surprised to find so much nonsense in it that I didn't care about. Because when I think like of it, what? I think of the fireworks and the and the big reveal and Dr. Bradley Mego. I basically think of the Carrie storyline and it just didn't feel like they created enough around it that felt like impactful. However, it's still an incredibly important episode in yeah. the pantheon of Sex and the City. Yeah. I mean, I really liked the episode. It was funny to me. I liked that it was light. There was, like, a lightness to it. And then all of a sudden you got hit with, like, a fucking brick. And you're like, oh, shit, Natasha and Big. Which is a big part of the reveal, right? Like, I'm sure that it being so light and feeling kind of fluffy to have that reveal is so impactful. But I can never go back to the first time I saw it. Right. Well, also, like, imagine people watching it when it first came out. Like, they were week to week watching this. Like, that was probably a really big deal. No, absolutely. The reveal of Big would have been... I mean, I remember the first time I watched it and seeing Big for the first time and thinking, oh, we're in for it. This is not good. Yeah, and she's looking... She's in her rodeo look. But... Overall, it is one of those classic Sex and the City us versus them stories we've talked about for a really long time. We're situating 20-something women against 30-something women in a way mm-hmm. that feels unnecessary in our storytelling now, but frankly, sadly, still true. Even in the way we talk about our own personal lives, even if you take it away from like us versus them, I feel like there's a huge thing of like, oh, well, in my 20s, you do that. And in my 30s, I'm going to be like this. Mm-hmm. I'm 29 and, I, and I'm starting to feel more 30. Like in my things that I like or whatever the case may be. Like when Miranda picked up those towels and said, ugh, they're mildewy. I was like, oh, that's me. I'd be pissed. If well, I'm we'll get to Miranda a summer a house. Bit. Oh, Miranda. Well, you know how I feel about the summer house. I would rather die than be in that house. Yeah. And I say that as someone situated at the tender age of 33. Um, but even I do it. I'm and and by the way, I did it when I turned 29. My advice to myself is to get everything that I viewed as something you do in your 20s out of my system, mm-hmm. as if there's this huge difference. And by the way, frankly, I'm 33. I'm still making the same. Am I 33 or 34? I think I'm 33. <laughs> Shout out to my no, friend Amanda, who always has up. to correct me. People- yeah, people ask me my age, and I feel like I was like my age was frozen in time, like when COVID started. Like I still feel Honestly, like I'm the if same you ask age me, I'm as still I was. Twenty-seven. I'm like Charlotte in this episode. I'm a real Charlie. Yeah, yeah, really good um, old Charlie. I don't remember where I was going with that, but we need to talk about the monologue. <laughs> or no, before okay. we get into the monologue, we got to talk about what the fuck is the Brady Bunch opening to this episode? 
It's upsetting. Yes. I wrote down in my notes. It's disgusting. I said, this feels like a throwback to season one. Like, what am I? Doing I right felt now? like, did they do it in season one? Have we already seen this? No, but they. D- it was like very similar vibes. Like, I felt like we saw that or something. Like when we met Patience and I do feel like I'd seen them face? in little boxes. Yeah, like I feel like I remember, but maybe I'm making that up. It just felt like I was like fucking that's so raven flashed to something we'd already covered and said i don't like this and what i have to say about it is there is no miranda storyline in this episode and i know that the brady bunch opening doesn't have enough time in it to then give us a miranda storyline in some ways it actually feels like the episode was running short and hbo made them add something mm-hmm. so that it hit 28 minutes and they're but it just felt like, cut this out and give Miranda, like, one scene that's, like, 30 right. seconds long give where she's something. just, like, on the phone. Like, give her, like, like working get... on some law briefs. I was like, I don't need to see, like, a bunch of nothing people in boxes. No, and I tr- I kind of get what they were going for, but it almost felt like they shot this in season one, that whole opening scene with the Brady Bunch people, and then, like, we're like, oh, we don't know where to put it, and then they threw it in this episode. Like, it just feels so weird. Or get us some people who we know in the boxes. Get Samantha in there. Get Charlotte in there. It's like, if we're gonna do this stupid thing, put at least someone we know in there and punch up the music. It just felt like a bad way to open an episode that I feel like is iconic for so many reasons. Totally. And yet... This is this, like, flop thing at the very beginning. First thing you see. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. But it did kind of, like, describe what being in a summer house with friends could be like. Like, you start off friends, and then one person does this, and the other. It's like, it can get very complicated. And I guess what would be, what's kind of nice is that it lays the track, if you want to be generous to this episode, which I don't think we should be in terms of this moment, the whole thesis of the episode of the difference between 20-something people and 30-something people. Well, these are 30-something people we're watching at the beginning, and they still have this drama and shenanigans. <laughs> so in some ways, it positions you to realize right up top, well, nothing changes. There's always going to be bullshit between people. Always. I mean, look at I Summer mean, not House. not like on this. I don't Bravo. know a lot of this. I mean, right. Summer House would, Is Bravo, this a Summer House like podcast? 40. Did you just watch an episode of Summer House? Summer House is always on my mind. I know it's on my mind too. Given and they how are I started in a my day, house. that's and true. And they are in a summer house. You freak. <laughs> Although not in the Hamptons, because you know the Hamptons won't let summer house in. Isn't? Didn't you tell me that they won't let them film like anywhere? That's why they only film at Southampton Social. It's so sad. Those it's talk so about funny. nothing. People stuck in boxes. <laughs> okay. All Don't right. Disrespect. I know. Shout out to who are the two I love? What are their names? Craig and no, not Craig. Um, you love Lindsay. Lindsay and um, what's his name? Carl. Yeah, the hottie. Your Carl. baby daddy. Yeah, my zaddy, my daddy, my everything. Yeah, yeah. my number thirty-three of my list of celebrity crushes. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the monologue and then talk about the episode. That week, back in the city, I wondered what was the allure of the twenties. On one hand, there's great skin tone. The thrill of fresh experience and the sense of a consequence-free life full of seemingly endless possibilities. While on the other, there are horrible apartments, sexually inexperienced men, and embarrassing errors in fashion judgment. Should we fear these freshly minted single women as a threat to our very survival? 
or pity them as clueless halfwits about to get their dreams dashed and illusions shattered. Twenty-something girls. Friend or foe? Before we get further into it, I want to talk about Sarah Jessica Parker's acting while she's looking at this photo book and delivering... A performance. This monologue. She's giving a performance that is so winning and charming and why we like Carrie and feel so close to her. And yet watching it, Carrie's a weirdo. Like, no one would sit in their own <laughs> home and be, like, a- this affected and deeply, like, huh, oh, oh, no. <laughs> she's, like, so charmed by her own photos. It's like, sweetie, chill out. She was looking at these photos and just having a blast. She was, like, embarrassed. You felt every emotion that she- I've looked through my camera roll and have never. This is my face as I'm looking through my camera roll. Well, to be fair, most of our camera roll isn't us. It's just, like, pictures of, it's, like, stupid memes. Sunsets. And mistakes Ugh. that I screenshotted by accident. Oh, my God. I have a lots of pictures of the moon. I always try to get, like, a cool picture and it always ends up looking like All right. Well, I don't shit. have any of those. It's so embarrassing. I'm like, oh, my God, look at the moon. And I take a picture of it. And I'm like, oh, this looks that's, horrible. That's, and then I forget to delete that's it. That's quite sad. I know. It's so sad. But one thing I did want to mention is I'm not sure. So they show a photo of Carrie and she says, embarrassing fashion. The look she's wearing is basically the look she's wearing in the opening of this show. It's a tank top and like a like a flowy crinoline like skirt. She, she and Carrie isn't someone who is embarrassed by her past fashion choices. That's kind of the fun of her. So I was just surprised that they would play that moment. Also, Sarah Jessica Parker looked amazing in all those photos. They're clearly like old photos of amazing. SJP and just like I was what an waiting icon. to see. Sarah Jessica Parker and Andy Cohen in one of them. I was like, keeping my eyes peeled. All right. Well, we're going to see him soon. I'm <laughs> sh- he's coming. He's, he's coming. coming in seasons five and four and six. So let's start with basically the most inconsequential storyline maybe we've ever had. Miranda. She's cynical. That's truly all she's doing. This She was pissing me off. She's very, like, negative. Like, she's the worst person to go on a trip with. I would be so angry if my friend was this way while we were at the beach. Talking about the towels and rolling her eyes at everything and not wanting to do anything. And, like, I'm going home early to make lunch. And, look, I know that's me. No, yeah. not the negativity. You don't have but friends I, like that because that's you. Well, no, I'm not super negative. Like, I am someone who, when I go on vacation, I kind of give up all of my controlling aspects and I'm like, I left that in Baltimore, baby. Like, I don't want to be in control you? of anything. I will yeah, do whatever. Yeah, you told me about this. I want to drink. VK Chris is different. He's very chill. Can't wait to meet him. The thing I related to is just not wanting to be on the beach. I would just be like, I'm going I'm going to the grocery store. I don't have any desire to I, sit on the beach for a long time. Yeah, I'm not a beach girl. I'm an indoor I'm a pool cat. girl. I, I like the pool. I don't I, – I like I'll go to the beach. Like that's fine as long as I have an umbrella because my skin is way – I'll burn to a crisp. I, no, I just can't do it. But I just found her to be so annoying. Very annoying. I Like I said, I felt myself in her, but I also found her, and I hate using this word to describe women. Shrill? But I have to. Yes. <sighs> I found her to be very shrill this And episode. you know, this isn't a great thing to say after we were all sharing our mm-hmm. memes on International Women's Day, which was yesterday. <laughs> right, but today is National like, don't Women's use, Day. Don't use shrill. Don't describe women as bossy. I'm like, Miranda's a bossy, shrill bitch. 
She really was, though, this episode. Like, it was annoying. I was like, can you shut the fuck up? But I love her. We love Miranda. I'm, well, actually, I'm starting to think, I think I love Rambo. I don't know how I feel about Miranda. I'm missing <laughs> Are you Rambo. craving you some Trey? I'm craving me some Che, and I'm craving me some Rambo. Let's get some reckless fucking decisions in here. I don't know. I just wasn't really feeling Miranda this whole episode. I'm trying to see if I have anything written. And The frankly, moment she I rolled up with that dorky-ass hat, I was like, ugh, I'm not into this. I did think vibe. she looked beautiful on the beach when it was the threesome, and she had, like, a white shirt, just a white shirt on. I thought she looked great. And she had some blue clogs. I thought she and Samantha were rocking some crazy beach feet wear, but... <laughs> she had some blue clogs. And um, okay. I thought she looked great, but she was just kind of nothing... What would you have preferred to see Miranda up to? Because I feel like there is something, like, we could have told a story for Miranda if we're doing an us versus them, older versus younger situation. You know what I would have liked if they had played, if Miranda had somehow met an older woman and she was kind of, if she met a version of herself on the beach even, who was really crotchety and like. Like maybe, not even a crotchy woman, but maybe a woman in her 40s who feels a certain type of way. Maybe we shouldn't also be describing women as crotchety. Oh my god! But I describe men as crotchety too. I'm crotchety. I describe, you know, men are shrill. Yeah. A lot of people have described me as shrill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like we could have done something with Miranda, but unfortunately... But I think, right, if we had played with the generations of the us versus them and presented an older woman and who had then maybe spurred Miranda on to be more adventurous and, like, grab a 20-something guy and make out with him, that would have been something fun to see and would feel very Sex in the City. I just was bummed out that she was really up to nothing and yet around. It wasn't even like they weren't cutting to her. She was her. there. Right. <laughs> yeah. She was there, and she when she walked in and said, I got the seafood and the corn, I was like, oh, God, shut the fuck up. Well, I was I, I was thinking if I was the, those women, I'd be so happy. Oh, I would be, too. I'd be like, but you're cooking it? I would have been exactly like Charlotte, who was like, I'm going to go take a shower, then I'll be down to help. <laughs> then I would have taken an extra long shower and waited till I smelled food on the table. <laughs> exactly. Would have been no hot water when I was done. <laughs> Should we get into Samantha? Yes. Well, she's got a new assistant, and that assistant oh. is an icon named Nina. Yeah. A little lady named Nina, a little star. What'd you think of Nina? She's a goddamn star, and I wrote, I die for Nina. Was she the original Euphoria girl? Nina Nina is me when I was 20. It's like just strolling into work, not giving a flying fuck. She doesn't give a fuck. And you know what? I wrote down too. I asked, I was going to ask you this, Chris. What would you do if your assistant was Nina and talked to you like that? Oh, well, me. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about my professional life, but you've gotten some text messages from me recently. So I think you got a sense of what would happen, me and Nina, if I was Samantha. But Nina's a star. <laughs> like, I love her. Oh, a goddamn star. I love her. I want her to come back. Like, I want to see Nina again. Get Nina and uh, our our Italian queen. What is her name? Sima? No, Italian. Oh, who, oh, Amelita Amalfi? <laughs> yes. Because I'd love to see a show where Nina, Sima, and Amelita Amalfi just pal around. Honestly, get them in there. Talk about that. They should have a spinoff called I Couldn't Help But Wonder. Yes. I would love that. 
Because Nina was literally, like, she made me laugh. She was a bossy little bitch. I loved her so much. And I think this, isn't this the first time we've seen Sam's, like, workplace, like, her office? Oh, that sad little office. Is that the same (laughs) office where Carrie sees her blowing the guy? Yes. Oof, I'm so glad by the second movie she's working in Times Square because that office was tough to look at. It was. I thought it was, like, glamorous. I was like, wow, she really works so hard. Okay, by the way, that I'm sure that office space costs $1 million a month. <laughs> but to see that burnt Sienna wall in Samantha's office was so it. upsetting. That wood desk, it. that copier directly next to Nina. It looked like, how did she even get it? It looked like she would have to hop over the desk to get to her seat. The copier was so fucking close to her. She thinks that she needs a copy immediately. I know, but I do think she either has to crawl under or hop over. I don't think she's walking to that seat. It was upsetting. Although eventually it changes a bit. She must get a new desk because she has that male assistant who she fucks and they like slide everything off. Yeah. And so that's coming, I think, at the beginning of season three. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. But I love Nina. Fingers I loved crossed. the the punch of the line about Studio 54. So good. So good. And my one of my favorite lines, and just the way that she delivered it, was when they were at the party. And the and her friend just came up to Nina. was freaking out. And Nina looks at this, this girl and says, you're totally coked you out. You're totally fucking coked out. she's like, you're totally out. jealous. Now, let's talk about that party. Uh, what did you think of that party? So, obviously, the Nina's throwing it for the owner of the home who we see, who I thought was gorgeous, an uncredited role. He looked so familiar. I don't know who he was, but he... But he was... Frankly, he should be higher on the list than a lot of the men we read from that L list. Hari Thariariana loved him. <laughs> but that party was, to me, janky as hell. It was just like... I saw the people passing hors d'oeuvres and they looked disgusting. I hated every (laughs) single thing about that party. It was making me sick. No bueno for me, that whole party. But the thing that drove me insane was the resolution of this story when the fireworks are going off early. And she's like, I need your help. And Samantha's like, way to fix it is literally move three people outside. Who, by the way, one of them didn't even move. The guy was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, but then Sam Jones gets her revenge. And introduces her to Greg. To Greg. And that'll take us into Charlotte. And I guess before we even get into Charlotte, what'd you think of Greg? Because I've got one big note about him. I thought Greg was sexy. Charlie meets Greg. I'd like to fuck. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my. Greg is a hottie. Okay. I know he's got crabs. Look, I've never had crabs, so I don't know how bad it is. I've never... I didn't know that was... And look, <laughs> given know. my lack of understanding of crabs, the fact that they played it as just like Miranda then is throwing crabs under this thing, I genuinely picture just like small crabs on someone's like pelvic area. And maybe uh-huh. that's what it is. Well, it looks like a tick, right? That's kind of what well, I think a small, Charlotte yeah, I think saying. a really tiny crab would look like a tick. What even? How do you even get crabs? I don't know how you get it. I don't know. Like, I don't get why. Do they multiply so quickly that the minute they hop off of you, you have to burn every sheet in the house? I I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but you know who is? 
Greg? Because <laughs> I Dr. think we Greg should finish that storyline before we get to Dr. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to jump right into the man I hate. I mean, honestly, there's not really that Greg. much to say about. And that was a seamless transition, and I'm sorry to ruin it. Because <laughs> it really was some of the best work I've ever seen you do. But it's like, yeah, I feel like I... we basically can't just give Charlotte, yep, she met Greg, she got crabs. But that's kind of what happened. That's true. I mean, we throw all the sheets out. They do see each other again at the party, and she confronts him. And the one thing I did want to say is that I felt like the comedy was all off in that scene. It was like Charlotte was playing... They were both playing it like they were in a serious drama. And it didn't have, like, the Sex and the City clown music underneath of it. So it's like, this is very weird. Why isn't this funnier? I think the guy that played Greg probably thought this is my chance. This is my big break. And then Kristen Davis like met him where he was. Yeah. And yeah, it was very odd, but Greg was gorgeous. Hey, do you know that you gave me crabs? (laughs) What? You heard me. What makes you think it was me? Oh, that is so tacky. Yeah. Well, so is lying about your age. And I saw your driver's license when you bought the beer last night. I didn't lie. You made an assumption. I didn't contradict it. Whatever. You know, I may have given you crabs, but you deceived me. That is so much worse. Grow up. But I did love when he meets Nina and then he scratches his crotch as a nice little nod to the fact that he's got... It's like, this guy, he's still got crabs? He's a a menace, though. He's a psycho, but Like, get that fucking taken care of. He's got gorgeous eyes. Oh, it's quite attractive. Beautiful to him. hair. What exactly are microplastics? They're small, man-made. They're less than five millimeters long, and they're around you every day. Microplastics are toxic. They cunningly seep into water, the air, and the things we eat. By contaminating our food chain, they make their way to you through vegetables at the supermarket, and yes, through fruit too. They're literally everywhere. That's the problem at hand. Every cigarette butt you see on the ground contains 15,000 strands. Learn more at undo.org. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices... How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Let's get into Carrie. But before we get into my man, let's fucking talk about Laurel. Oh, my God. She's giving Anna Paquin light. I hate this girl. I hate her. I thought she was a perfect representation of this kind of girly. I said, Laurel Harris is a nightmare. I'm obsessed with her. She's so fucking funny to me. The way she's just, like, following her around, it was making me laugh. 
And do you think that they were knocking like the girls that l- are like obsessed with Carrie Bradshaw in real life? That got, yes, like, the necklace that's exactly they, what okay. I was about to say. Is is that I don't know that at this point in season two, the fervor and obsession with the show was there yet. But in retrospect, I think that it works as a complete meta commentary on. All of by the way, look at our dumbasses. We have a podcast about this show. We are Laurel. <laughs> like, we are. Yeah. Maybe that's why I hate her. Yeah, we hate what we see in ourselves. But I think that it does work on that level. Matthew Broderick. I was watching a an interview with Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker for Plaza Suite, and he basically said, whenever they see a young woman in ridiculous heels walking around New York City, he turns to her and says, "You did this." I love that. And that is Laurel. So I think that there is something to be said for this kind of commentary of, like, a young woman who would be looking up to this figure who is Carrie Bradshaw. Um, And in some ways, I I just don't know that, yes, the show is popular then, but it hadn't reached the mass hysteria yet that it would. But I do like the idea that, in some ways, the show is positioning her as this, like, icon that young girls should look up to. But there's also something to be said for, like, waves of feminism and how it works, that Carrie is this, like, sex-positive woman who, and then she would then be reacting to Carrie's brand of feminism by saying, why are you, like, wagging your pussy around? That's not how to get power. And then we would then see, in response to that, a defense of Carrie's brand of feminism, which is to say, it is totally fine to own your sexual power. So I think it's okay to wag your pussy. It was a nice kind of, I was trying to go highbrow for a moment, but thank you for that insert. You're welcome. And so it's a nice (laughs) kind of cyclical understanding that feminism's, any ism is always going to be responding to the last one. And so I don't know. I like Laurel. I thought she was an interesting character in this episode. And I thought the I thought the actress did a good job of being deeply annoying, but that's the point of her. It's not that I don't want to have sex with men. I just feel like these previous generations of women have devalued sex to the point where it's not even special anymore. One summer when I was 15, I read everything Jackie Collins ever wrote. And I thought to myself, who cares? I mean, is this supposed to be shocking, wagging one's pussy at every good-looking stud who walks by? Please. And what is it you like about my column? And I loved that Carrie's like, I've got a mentor. I'm taking her to a party. It's like, Carrie, why don't you take her to a coffee shop and teach the bitch how to write? Well, because she probably thought this girl, like, fucked. And she probably thought this girl was, like, a wild girl. And then the girl... So Carrie took her to pimp her out? What's no, but like she probably, she probably thought that they had a You're little like this bit more girl, in common. Carrie thought this girl fucked, so she took her to a party to sell her into white slavery. Excuse me. <laughs> no, I don't know why I said that. I just say things. Really? Yeah, I just say I things. That's our next show. podcast where we just sit and chat. Honestly, I'm writing that down. I just say things. Lindsay, Kate, get ready. Get ready, girls. Um. Okay. No, I just thought Laurel was so annoying. I'd be so annoyed if this little bitch was following me around and like. Well, you're was, no Carrie yeah, Bradshaw. Just, no, I'm not. But I'd be annoyed. I'd be like, Can I you would, leave no, me by alone. The way, I would too. But I like the fact that she's so. I think it is. By the way, I think she is a. I like. I think it, those kind of girlies show, exist. 
They do. Why shouldn't they be on TV? I love to see them. Rather see want- rather see them than fucking some of whoever that shit was we saw at the top of this episode. Fucking Brady Bunch. Rather see them than the overeater. You want to see more fangirl representation. Yes, I want to. And I want to, okay. by the way, see Carrie be a celebrity. You and I love that. I will say we like when Carrie gets her flowers. She, she is gets, like recognized. She is an actual New York icon. Correct. Now at the little party that looked to me, by the way, a lot like the party where Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly meet. You've got mail. We meet. <sighs> Doctor Bradley Mego, <laughs> and I have simply written a king has arrived. We have a king amongst us. He's got a home in the Hamptons. He's cute enough. He's got money. He's charming. He's funny. He's giving everything Tweety had nothing. Excuse me? How dare you? Tweety had a collection of baseball cards. Did he? I thought that was Burger. No, she found something like No, in he his had old poker box. cards, Burger. Oh, yeah, that he like. That he like found around the city. What a. What a disgusting man. Because you know he didn't disinfect those. <laughs> In a time Fucking of COVID. Nasty. Come on, Burger. Yeah, sicko freak. Okay. All right. Tell me why you don't anyway. like that Dr. Bradley Mego. A man okay, who I basically based my entire identity off of who I want to partner. What? Gorgeous. Chris. Funny. You would hate this man. Charming. Funny. He's got he's good jokes. Carrie's laughing. She's laughing because she's embarrassed by him. No, that is not true. When they're walking on the beach, okay. they have such an easy, casual chemistry. Don't get me started on his beach look. On that slinky okay, body. Don't get me started on her beach look. She looked, oh, no, I wrote that down. As, she looked like I the big Lebowski. I'm obsessed with her looks in this episode. I said, this is probably an episode with some of the most iconic looks ever. I think this happened last week where you were like, I love these looks. And I was like, she genuinely has never looked worse. She no, looks- I'm saying that they're iconic because they're okay. like wacky. Yes. <laughs> like they're not she- iconic because I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> she looks. I'm not saying that about her cargo shorts, her Bat board shorts shit and bikini. insane at the beach with those aviators on. <laughs> and those green. <laughs> and then she shorts. threw a bralette on and a little, and a, just a shirt. <laughs> and a very sheer button down. I was like, God damn it, Carrie. But you know what? Her body could t- rock. Oh, well, anything. I mean, that's just, she's everything. Okay, okay, no, but talk Bradley about Migo. Bradley Migo well, and your problems with him. My problems with Bradley Migo, I find him to be too eager. I find him to be okay, too... Okay, so he's you. Like, I'm the guy. <laughs> yes. Exactly. No, honestly, I can see a little bit of myself <laughs> in Bradley Migo. And that's tough. That's tough for me to, like, really say out loud, especially, you know, to our millions of listeners. Uh I find him to be too eager. I also really find him to be too, like, I'm the guy. Like, I have it oh, all together. I disagree so there. Would, I don't think Chris, he has that energy. Chris, you can't interrupt me. I disagree. I don't think he is. Because well, is that the same as you would say the pick me energy? No, this is different. It's different? Okay, so maybe explain yeah. to me what the I'm the guy energy is. It's like, I have a house in the Hamptons. Like, I, it's basically like, I'm going to do the bare minimum because like the bars in the gutter and you like, why don't you like me? But he and didn't he's a put the bar too, like, in the gutter. Big He's did. a little too soft. He's a little too soft for me too. Like he's a little too like, oh, well, 
you know, I made a reservation. And then she was like, oh, I don't know about dinner. So again, as you said earlier, you who love reservations. I love reservations. So you are Dr. Bradley Migo. Did I not say that? I said that. I admit that I have some Migo I don't. I don't think you are. You're not Migo. You're Migos. Oh. You oh are him. And then it just a flash to me of when he was at the beach with her, and he's like, "I'm gonna go take a dip." And then like, <laughs> and then he back. looks back. I was like, "Okay, I do. I, I like, don't care for that." Sick. Okay, I don't care for that shot. They fucked me good with that shot. In my, it was so gross. I had a huge whole theory on Dr. Bradley Migo. Then they had to fucking throw that shot, and I was like, "All right, and well, that's adding to the other side's um, argument." But I think he's cute. He's got his furry little nipples. <laughs> I like he's Ew. confident. I like how he he's got bounces pepperoni o- nipples. He's bounces over. He's he bounces over. He says hi. He's so confident. Also, it's like weird. Like go away. Like why are you at the beach? Like why are you following her everywhere? He likes her. I don't like that. She doesn't know you. But she wants to know him. She gave she gave him his so. number. By the to way, I nice. appreciate that he doesn't call. He does what she wanted him first to do, which is to just show up. He bounces over. He doesn't stay around for too long. He leaves instantly, and then they go for a walk. He's very respectful. He lets her crab-ridden body sleep in his bed. Which, by <laughs> the way, then I'm like, sir. I mean, you can sleep yeah, in the shed. I just... I really, really, really do not like him. I think he is just one of those characters who's like imprinted on me. I don't know if I saw this episode and was like, this might be the one time in which the quote unquote good man on Sex and the City, the ones they present to you as like this safe, good option worked for me because Aiden, Mm -hmm. Steve, Nightmare, Tweety Bird, I would truly rather be pushed into oncoming traffic. Dr. Bradley Migo, I'm like, that's my guy. You know what? He's at a I'm literary party. Moment. I'm going to take this moment and take that as a compliment. Because if I'm so much like Bradley Migo, I'm your perfect man. Well, no, I didn't say you're Are my you perfect man. You're not mates? the ideal man that I would choose from Sex and the City. But I do think I like him almost more than many other men we meet on this show. Do I like him as much as Von Wiesel? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on. Do I like him as much as uh, Mr. John Slatter, who we're finally fucking getting to in two episodes? Did you look that up? No, I just know we have one more episode of this season, and we're, in, we're at season three, finally. Yeah. Okay. Then we go to the hoedown. We go to the hoedown. What did you think of this look on Carrie is so crazy? I'm obsessed. <laughs> I mean, her body looks amazing. Sick. The one thing her I'll body say is for stunning. it, watching this episode this time, it was the first time I really was able to really hone into what it is like to look at her and Natasha in the same frame. And I almost wished they had put them next to one another for one moment because it really is like looking at night and day. I think it is such a brilliant costuming decision because she couldn't look any more. And first of all, she looks crazier than anyone else at the party. <laughs> yeah. She turns the corner and she sees Big and Natasha. And she has a pretty unhinged introduction. What did you think of her Thank walking you. up and just saying, is it you? Is it you? I was like, Carrie, get a motherfucking grip. Yeah. Is it you? Hey, what are you what are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? 
I just got back this week from Paris. Oh, Carrie, this is Natasha. Hi, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Oh, really? Natasha's parents have a house here in East Hampton. We just came up for the weekend. Excuse me. It's nice to meet you, Carrie. This isn't like fucking The Sixth Sense. It's not a horror well, movie. Well, also, it's clearly your eyes him. are not deceiving you. Yeah. Like, it's clearly He's big. not a mirage. You haven't been wandering no. through the desert for 90 minutes. Like, what's wrong with you? I know. And Natasha was like, who the fuck is this? Well, what like, do you know? She what? knows who she is. Once. No, I know. But what like, did you she, think, like, though? Of, what do you Carrie. think Big has told Natasha about Carrie? I was dating a woman in New York. And then I came to Paris. That's all? I don't know. She seemed like I've heard a lot about you. I bet Big has been like, I dated this crazy woman right before you. You're somewhere. I don't think he I talked to Big her is, like that. Oh, no. Big is absolutely like, this is that pimp game that Big pulls. He 100% met Natasha, saw her straight hair, and was like, you know, I was just dating this crazy woman. She used to call me in the middle of the night drunk. You are so much easier. He has definitely built women up. By p- dragging the woman from before. The previous one. Yes. Ladies, if you're listening, that's a red flag. If it you're ever going on a date with a man flag. and he starts talking shit about his exes, calling them bitches, says they're crazy, it's not them, it's him. And it's not cute. Run. It's not fun. Run. Mm-mm. Never. Never good. So Natasha excuses herself. I do think it's a little funny that he says, oh, Natasha's family has a house here at the in the Hamptons. Big should have a house in the Hamptons himself. He's like 50. I'm sorry. This also, is he's giving loaded. something's and- got to give. She's like 27. <laughs> he's this elder man. I'm like, his mom is going to wander in and be like, um, old man, can you please not fuck my daughter yeah. in my home? And then they're going to fall in love. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that, sh- that show. <laughs> Get Diane Keaton and Big together, honestly. Honestly. But what did you think of their whole conversation? I thought it was incredibly moving. I thought that this was one of the best Big and Carrie scenes, just like they're acting wise, like they're giving it so much, but also giving so little, like there's a lot just unsaid between them. Like you can just see it in their faces and hear it in their voices that there's like this weird dynamic now. And it's, you can tell how hurt she is, like devastated. And that's heartbreaking. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just a little stunned here and confused. Who is she? Well, I, you know, I meant to call you. She's a girl. She's this girl that I met in Paris. She works for Ralph Lauren in Europe. So you're just in from Paris for the weekend? No. The Paris deal fell through. I, uh, I planned on calling you. I certainly didn't want to run into you like this. Well, you can't plan everything. Life can be pretty random. I'm here on a, on a date, too. It's somewhere. It's Dr. Bradley Migo. He's good on paper, you know, probably like Natasha. Good-looking, sweet, blah, blah, blah. So how old is she, anyway? I don't know. 26, 27. Something like that. Well, I'll see you in the Hamptons or back in the city. I promise to call when I get back into town. I know I've been a big apologist on this podcast. Mm, We know. 
And I, said, I certainly, when we got to Love Dolores Squeeze and we were in that kitchen with the McDonald's, I said, this is the big that people remember. Mm-hmm. Now I have to just think this through because now it's like, well, we don't have much other big to look at. It's like, I'm really hanging my hat on season one big. It's like, well, there are five other seasons of this show. You're right. And, and he is pretty despicable here, I think, in terms of his continual... Yeah, I mean, I was going to call you as soon as I came back. And um, it just felt so cruel and awkward and cold in his way to be the wrong, to be the party who is wronging her and not give any kind of sense of warmth or understanding. He just can't give that. I felt so disgusted by him in this moment. I did think, by the way, you're completely right. It is great acting i think it's i think their scenes together big and carrie are some of the best written scenes in the show there's always this high wire act of tension between them in both sides of how much am i supposed to say what can i give away how can i make sure i win win this conversation in terms of ensuring i don't say too much or too little in both sides of it um and i think this scene works perfectly as a setup for the reveal that they're engaged I'm not 100% sure, like, are they engaged now? And he only tells her that... I didn't get that sense. Yeah, it's like, are they engaged now? Does he only choose to tell her that in the finale because now they've had an entree? How much time is between the finale? I did watch the finale um, after this just because it cycled through. Um, And it's not 100% clear when they got engaged, at least from the finale. I can't remember if there's something in the beginning of season three that reveals like, oh, it was in Paris or it was at this time. But there's just, I think he's so cold in this scene. So cold. So detached. That's big, you know. And Carrie runs away. And Miranda is. She throws up. uh, Thankfully, she throws up, which is, um, thankfully, we didn't have to see that. We will see her vomit, of course, when she gets the ugly ring from Aiden. And then with, um, what was his name? Patrick? Peter? Peter? Was it Peter? And then just like that, when she threw up on the street? Yes, it was Peter. Peter. I was like, I knew it was a P. Yeah, it was Peter. Luckily, we didn't have to suffer through seeing that fake vomit again. And Miranda, at least, right, her one saving grace is that we're meant to situate her as having the loyalty of a 20-year-old because she comes over and holds her hair. And then we hear the ending monologue. And it's, um, really sad. And then I realized, 20-something girls are just fabulous. Until you see one with the man who broke your heart. It's upsetting at the fact that it's still about Natasha, though, right? She says, oh, 20-something girls are just fabulous until they fall in love with the man you love, or whatever it is. That is, like, it's still about her. And Carrie's gotta do better. But maybe she can. I mean, come on. We're expecting a lot from you-know-who. CB. Oh. <laughs> Dizzy. Dizzy girl. You loved the fashion. What was your favorite look? Loved. That hoedown look. Obsessed. I thought Charlotte looked beautiful when she strolled up to the beach with Gary. What was his name? Was his name Greg? Gary? <laughs> Greg. Greg. They did not get that beautiful man Gary as his name. And he, she had, like, little sunnies on. She just looked fresh-faced and dewy. She did. But so my thing with Carrie that I have to check in with myself all the time is, is it a good, like, does it look cool or is she just skinny? 
she's just skinny a lot. Yeah. In this episode, she's but, just really thin. Real, I mean, her abs in that moonlight, I was like, I mean, fucking But Jesus. the whole, I mean, and that's another thing, I guess, actually. Did we really fix that in terms of body diversity and in just like that? Not at all. <laughs> like, Not really. I mean, but like, you know, Charlotte is known to kind of have like an hourglass figure. Like she's always talking about her thighs. Does she? I think we're meant to read she's that always- as like Charlotte's insecurity. But I don't think I don't think uh, any audience member would look at the show and think like, I see myself in Charlotte's body. Would they? I don't know. Maybe maybe people have really good bodies. I, I'd love to see them. <laughs> I, I mean, guess I totally we do see now. Miranda have a kind of body arc post-pregnancy in. We do remember season or the first movie. Sam Jones. Well, that's by the way. If they saw my belly right now, they would fucking. They would call the cops. Given how they they reacted to Charlotte's, I mean Samantha's slight tummy, they would throw me out on the street. They would truly call the FBI. They'd be like, "There's something not right with him. He's not okay." Um, no, we think he might be on like some kind of drug. That's the only way anyone could gain that much weight. It would they'd be genuinely concerned. I looked at pictures of me in Mexico and I cried. And as we always say before anyone writes anything to us, Sam and I, of course, endorse the body positivity movement. We love it for everyone. It just hasn't. And by the way, we want it for ourselves. It just hasn't landed on us. So badly. The only thing I want to do is look at myself and be happy. It's not (laughs) happening. No, no. Not not happening. Seems you're taking a dark path. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, <laughs> guys. Anywho, hmm. not sure about that one. Okay. Um, should we talk about the man who it. was your Let's favorite guy? Greg. Doctor Bradley Miko. I know. Yeah, we don't even have to. I mean, just talk those, about that. Like, what I give to just grab those little love handles and just thrust. Oh my god. <laughs> guys, so sorry, Chris. Wrap it up. <laughs> Wrap it the fuck up. Uh, do you have any hot takes on this one? I mean, I hate Dr. Bradley Miko. Um, <laughs> that's not that's a hot, hot take. take. I think you made it clear. You hate yourself. Yeah, but I think people like him. Um, so maybe honestly, it's a hot guys, take for others. Don't write into me because I don't think I can take like all the messages about people disliking him. But if you can somehow generally get to us. How spiritually, just think about Dr. Bradley Miko. Do you like him or hate him? And I feel energetically I will become aware of it. Or maybe we should just set up like an email inbox so people can email me. Oh my God, like a anonymous complaints. Yeah, like anon at anon.shortcomings.org. And people can. .org. Yeah, because this is an organization at the end of the day. Yes. People can just write in when they want and I can choose to go to it. Okay. We'll work on that over at the dip. And I'll I'm sure we won't know. be doing any of that. Oh, I was never yeah, expecting the dip to get involved. It was absolutely going to be a solo journey I set up. Oh, okay. What Great. would you give this out of 10? I would give it a 7. I'd probably give it a 7 also. I thought it was a very good episode. It's obviously clearly important. I was just surprised, for given my memory of how much I love it, that there was more stuff in there that I was like, oh, this is in this episode? In some ways, I don't even really remember Dr. Bradley Mego being a part of the Carrie Big Natasha reveal because he doesn't really factor into the party. And in some ways, I think I wish well, we circled tried. back to him. Like maybe he had run up to Carrie on the beach and she had said, like, get out of here, kind of like she did to, um, 
Who was old, who was old boy at the beginning of the season? The one that she cried in his mouth. The new Yankee. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been a nice, like, bookmark almost to seeing Big and her being overwhelmed and turning away this other man. And then it would have completed the circle of Dr. Bradley Migo. So in some ways, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the big Natasha reveal. And yet I also forgot it was the the Bradley Migo thing. I also forgot it was the Nina episode. Charlotte gets crabs. I mean, a lot lot goes down for a seven. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week discussing the season two finale, X in the City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out the other podcasts from The Dip, TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, But Now We Said It, and of course, Hot Off The Mess. And you can follow us online. I'm at clewis1219 on Instagram, and apparently on Twitter, as someone told me. I forgot I did that. Oh my gosh. Sam, where are you? I, I'm at Bravo Historian on Instagram, and I'm at Take Yours Aloft on Twitter. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. (laughs) Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. (laughs) Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage.